welcome back. You're listening to episode five of Double Hop Beat, a bi-weekly podcast taking the pulse of beer in the brewing scene. I'm James, home brewer and beer enthusiast. And I'm Shannon, a beer novice, and I like the taste of beer. And boy, do we have a special episode for you guys today. Uh, thank you for joining us. And we have a special guest, Sarah from Flora Brewing. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for joining us. It's going to be great. We're going to talk about creativity and brewing. So, Sarah, how did you get started in homebrewing? I actually purchased a homebrew kit from uh, Craft of Brew. I brought their Catalyst system, which I'm still using uh, for my husband, and he didn't take to it. So, I picked it up and just kind of taught myself, and now it's an addiction. And I'd been brewing kombucha for years at the time, so I kind of had a handle on how fermentation works, but... As we all know, it's a little bit more involved. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But that's great. You took the first step, and that's usually the hardest part is just to get people to try something new, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's fun. If I have something lying around the house, I'll just mess with it anyway. So it was an easy way to start. And how many years have you been brewing now? I'm coming up on my third year. So. Okay. Not very long in the scope of things, but I feel like I've been kind of going full bore for a while, so. I was going to say, it seems like you've picked it up very quickly for three years. Yeah, I, I kind of am a, like, go all or go home kind of person, so <laughs> it's taken over my entire life. I used to, like, paint and things, and now it's just all beer all the time. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> And we saw you recently got your brewing name trademarked. Is that correct? I, I don't have the trademark. I'm working on the trademark. I actually got my first rejection for my trademark, but I'm um, oh. going to work on that. Oh. I did start the LLC, though. So LLC is all done. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, it just gets harder and harder from there. LLC isn't that difficult. You just do it online, but <laughs> everything else is going to be a challenge. It's the first step, though. Yeah. And what was the first system that you, you said you got a kit? What kind of a kit was it that you uh, first tried? It's the Catalyst uh, one, the kind that like has the butterfly valve and the ball jar on the bottom for the yeast sediment. Um, it's really cool, and it's like... A pretty great fermenter to start with and like over a brew bucket so I kind of lucked out and right, right so you kind of started on that next tier right yeah yeah I've uh I've gotten the less advanced fermenters since then but uh it was nice to start on something fancy how did that come out in the end um, the first one, honestly, I don't remember a ton. I think I was more excited to, like, actually have made beer than to, like, have anything that tastes great. Um, but, I mean, it turned, it was drinkable. We definitely got through it. That's awesome. So, yeah. That's a plus. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's not, not the case the greatest, with everyone, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mine did not turn out drinkable, so. Yeah, fortunately, I've only had to dump one batch, and that was because of an infection that was insane, but that was my fault. So, <laughs> so, that, so is that something that it was just the, something with the cleaning, or that just something that happened over time? I uh, knocked off an airlock and went out of town for a week, so oh, I got a lot of fun wild yeast in there, and, you know, it basically made some vinegar, 
super great smelling. Mm. Oh God, I can only imagine. (laughs) Yeah, it was disgusting. It was the worst. And what's your most recent brew that you're working on or that you just uh, finished? I, uh, the last one I brewed is a Kentucky Common. Um, it's a, in the historical beer category. I'm actually brewing it for the Canarchy Cup um, at Eagle Rock Brewery in LA. And um, it's like, I've never tried one. So I was like, may as well. It seems like in the historical beer category, the one I would oh. be most likely to drink. So it's supposed to be something like a cream ale, but an amber in color and like super refreshing. So we'll see. It's still in the fermenter, yeah. but it's going to get kegged soon. And how long is it going to be in the fermenter for? How long total? I mean, the, te- the style technically could be done in a week, I've read. But I like to let my beer age for about a month or so. Um It's just going to go in the keg, like, when I'm ready to put it in the keg. There's no rhyme or reason. I'm doing it in the catalyst system so I can actually lock off the yeast. So it's just aging at this point. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I find, too, sometimes when you age the beer, it does have a big difference in the flavor as well. Yeah, totally. I Everything rounds out a lot. I don't, I won't drink an IPA that's not at least a month old. I've had too many young beers in my time and i find them disgusting (laughs) oh yeah yeah awesome well thank you for a little bit about your background um so we are going to talk about creativity and brewery but first we've got a homebrew update and then a fun little game to play with you um so our homebrew update is that yesterday uh james said i made a or started a toasted coconut porter which was my first time helping out um, the, with James doing his brewing, which it was fun. Uh, definitely learned a lot. Didn't realize or completely understand how much waiting is involved. I've yeah. been, <laughs> I've been in the house or in the area when brewing has been going on, mostly just to keep our dog from getting all up in the system. But uh, this is the first time I actually helped out, and there was a quite a bit of standing around, but there was beer drinking involved, so it wasn't too bad. <laughs> And it's, and it's a learning process, too. So it was really cool to see you be hands-on and really get into it. And it doesn't come without its challenges, as I'm sure you know, Sarah. Uh, there's always unexpected hiccups that occur. And one of the hiccups we had, there was all our grains. So you know how heavy those can be, Sarah, if you're lifting those into a very small kettle. Uh, so, Shen, you want to talk a little bit about that? Okay. First of all, I'm going to say I'm not definitely not the first person to do this ever. Uh, I'm sure a lot of other homebrewers out there have done this in the past, but James gave me the bag. He's like, oh, you can do the fir- the honors, put put them in. And I was like, yeah, I'm ready to go. Like, I'm going to do this. And then I picked up the bag and he was like, okay, just pour it in, not out- outside of the kettle, just inside. And I was like, obviously. obviously, I gave him like that look that everyone gives their significant other. Like, I'm not dumb. Like, clearly I'm going to put it inside, not outside. So then I went to go pour them inside and I poured them outside and it fell um, just on the floor. So we did some triage. <laughs> yeah, there was a little bit of uh, cleanup going on. A little bit, um, yeah, a little triage and had to salvage what we could. But... Oh, yeah. In fairness to you, though, it was, I could have clarified that it happened to me probably my second time doing it. So I was kind of warning you to just be careful. But I could see how that could come off as uh, 
Yeah, totally obvious. Yep, obviously get the grains in where you're trying to get it. Well, instead of saying, you know, the bag's a little flimsy, so you really have to, like, make sure you're over it. And kind of explaining while he was saying it, I was just like, um, I'm not dumb. Like, hello. I'm obviously going (laughs) to. And then it was like the top of the bag is just so thin that I didn't, like, guide it where it needed to go. And then I kind of just did a little uh, topple onto the floor. But it was fine. It's fine. Other than that, it went smooth. So that was great. I mean, if that's the the worst problem you're running into, you're doing great. I've definitely, yeah, yeah, I do brew in a bag and there is a been a few times that I've just not put the bag or my screen in and I just have you know oatmeal in a kettle and I'm like well let's see how I can figure this one out and you're just like in there with a little like uh strainer trying to pull your grain out and get them into the actual bag yeah have you ever had a hole in the bag? I've heard of uh, horror stories with that where they don't notice until the very end. I have, well, actually, yeah, I've ripped a bag on my um, temperature probe and uh, I finally put silicone over that so it doesn't happen anymore, but then I've punched through a screen as well. So I'm a little rough with things and I'm trying to be a little more gentle and careful and haven't had problems since, but. There was a while where there was a lot of green everywhere all the time. Yeah. (laughs) So I think the important thing here that we're talking about all these mistakes is just that it's normal. It's part of brewing. And it's just something that you do learn from. And talking about it can also help other people to not have those issues. The once once I ripped my first bag, I was like on the message boards immediately. And I saw so many people having the exact same problem. And that it's like all you needed was like an inch of silicone tubing and it solves every problem. Solves and you're just like, so obvious. <laughs> and, it, and it was probably a relatively inexpensive fix as well. People usually assume you have to buy the greatest and best, you know, oh, yeah. expensive gear and tech, but you really don't really. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I feel like a lot of uh, home brewing in general is engineering with whatever you've got lying around in the moment, too. You got to MacGyver it, you know. <laughs> Always. Yeah, so that was uh, our experience yesterday. We did some put some pictures on Instagram, so make sure you guys check that out. Uh, double Hot Beat. Uh, James, did you add the podcast to our... I did. Okay, so I now did. it's Double just, Hot Beat just to clarify. podcast on Instagram. Uh, so we put pictures up there of our experience. So now we're going to play a little game, Sarah, and put you on the spot. Uh, It's called Mash In and Mash Out. It's basically a word association game. So we're going to say a term, and then you just have to say the first thing that comes to your mind. And then we'll see. And then we'll give the actual definition (laughs) of the word. (laughs) James, do you want to read the first one? All right. So it's going to be quick. Bunging. Oh, my God. Uh, Pulling. I don't know. <laughs> oh, That's God. Awesome. I should have studied. <laughs> the, first thing, the first thing I said was bungee jumping when he said that word. So it's about probably similar to the pulling, you know, jump off a bridge that pulls you back up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> totally. <laughs> sure. <laughs> James, do you want to read the definition of that one? So bunging is, um, in some beers, it's a natural carbonation. It's a natural process where the bunging is where the carbon dioxide bubbles will actually get trapped in the beer towards the end of fermentation. Um, so if you bung too early and the beer becomes over carbonated. 
So that's where that term comes from. I'm learning things. (laughs) Educational podcast. (laughs) Part education. Okay. The next term is Bach. Oh, like a Doppelbach or Amber Bach. (laughs) All right. Redeemed. You're redeemed. Yeah, Sarah's so, going for three, three and zero. Oh. Yeah, uh, it's a style of lager beer originally from Germany, uh, but also gets its name from Bach, which is the German word for billy goat. So that's why you see um, a lot of those types of beers. You see a picture of a billy goat or a goat. James, you can take the next one. All right, Groot. Oh, it's a beer fermented without hops, or uh, made without hops. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Ka-ching! Yes! on a roll. All right, Shen, give her the last one. Punt. Ugh, kick. <laughs> That's what I thought, too. I immediately went to football. Immediately. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's all at the word association I got for that. Uh, so it's the hollow at the bottom of some bottles. So how come they have, like, that dimple almost? So I should know that. My dad is. worked at a bottling factory for 30 some years <laughs> I, the, the vocabulary did not transfer <laughs> well now you'll have to say guess what i talked about today and he'll be like why in the world are you talking about a bottom of a bottle <laughs> yep okay well that was the game thanks for playing thanks for being yeah a you good did sport. great sarah that was awesome <laughs> so now we want to get into the artistic side of beer from the brewing process logos and that type stuff so from my experience, it's really been fun to express myself through my beers and being able to kind of just create something. And just, Sarah, I think you mentioned earlier, you were just so proud of that beer you made, even though it didn't turn out great, um, but it was still fun to do. Uh, do you have that same kind of experience? Yeah, I mean, pretty. I, I'm a little harder on myself now, obviously, but uh when I I just feel like I got a handle on like a solid IPA and like know how to do a, a good IPA no matter like if I pull a recipe like out of my ass or if I like actually you know have been working on one f- and like perfecting it for months um but yeah it's it's just like little increments of like getting better and better and better uh and it's I don't know it's inherently rewarding when you can drink your success (laughs) and it's probably one of the rare things where you can actually say that right like something you make you can actually consume yeah i mean it is it's like cooking but it takes longer so it's more rewarding because you have to wait yeah exactly (laughs) very true and i think something else that makes brewing and just craft beer in general just so creative is just the community aspect about it I mean, right now we're talking to you, Sarah, and you're on the West Coast, and yeah. we're East Coast, so it's bringing people together. Don't you think that's something really unique about craft beer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think it's amazing. Just through the Instagram, I've been talking to people like throughout the world, and it's wild. Like, I have a ton of um, followers in Brazil and like Russia, and I would have never thought like to expect that and. Especially when I started my little Instagram, I didn't expect any of this, to be honest. And what is your Instagram for those listeners um, tuning in? It's flora underscore brewing. 
So definitely check out Sarah's uh, Instagram. It's it's quite amazing the kind of stuff that you have going on over there. Um, so for those listeners, check her out. Yeah. Um, so what I think about the craft beer community and craft beer in general and the process is it's almost like its own art form. I think that a lot of people can express themselves differently with the type of beer that they brew and that they add into it and all the different recipes that people try. I know some um, there's some breweries around us that started off only brewing a certain type of beer. And I think that can be reflective of the person who started the, the brewery and the process, like their own personality. Um, so I think that it's a great way for people to just express themselves and take that. I think it's easier to take a chance with brewing because it, Sarah, like you said, you've, you've thrown some beer out. So if it doesn't work out, you know, it's not a permanent thing. You can just get rid of it and start over and tweak something for the next time. Um, so I think it's a, a great for, way for people to express things, try new stuff, be creative um, and the process and the different types of beer that I've seen just in general, all the different breweries, it, there's always something different to try out there. And I think it's really, really great to be able to do that um, and to find what you like and have your own. You can also express yourself through the beer that you actually drink, too. Yeah, totally. I actually um, I've been brewing a lot with fruit because that's mm-hmm. kind of what started me into craft beer. Like Lost Coast Tangerine Wheat was like the one of the first craft beers I ever liked. And every time I'm like anywhere near Northern California, I will drive hours to go to Lost Coast just to like be like, yeah, this is like where it started. And I have a tangerine wheat that's based on theirs. Um, Even like, I have no idea what's actually in theirs. And I know that they use a base wheat for a lot of their fruited beers, but mine's a little different, but it's kind of the same taste. And my husband and I like love the fruit beers like that. And there's like, I'll find random things like in my garden and try to throw them in and incorporate them. Like I did a farmhouse with um, these pineapple guavas that there's a random bush in my courtyard. And I was like, what are these strange fruit? And I saw them at the (laughs) farmer's market and I was like, oh my God, they taste like kind of like a banana-y, pineapple-y, like super sweet guava. And it made a super, super dry beer and it's pretty cool it smells just like opening up a guava wow that's cool. and that's also a nice luxury of living on the west yeah. coast and the east coast where yeah. we get blizzards we can't exactly grow fruit in our in our yard so that's just great yeah that i was gonna say to do that. you know it's just funny the different like places that we live in how you can walk outside and get things like that and it's like i was in my mind i'm like oh the garden like basil and oregano <laughs> and maybe well we've got rhubarb in ours but yeah we've got rhubarb, it's just a yeah. different you know, type of things that we can grow. And I'm sure you have that yeah. like all year round for us. We're just beginning to get tulips. And I got my second bug bite yesterday of the year. So, Oh my God. Yeah. Um, my, I already have almost full grown tomatoes over here. So yeah, <laughs> it's totally kind jealous. of crazy. Totally jealous. We won't yeah. have those till probably July ish. Yeah. So before we start getting that, those types of things, but again, that's something you choosing that fruit that was just outside is an expression of the creativity that comes with the craft beer and the ability to experiment like that. Yeah. Um, And just, I think there's an appreciation for that process as well. Yeah. It's also fun to like find a weird ingredient and be like, I'm going to build a beer around this singular ingredient. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a beer that I like from Atlantic Brewing, which is up in Bar Harbor, Maine. And they have a ginger beer that you wouldn't think that, you know, ginger that's for sodas, but putting it in beer is actually really good. 
Um, so that's yeah, kind of a funky ingredient. Yeah. Anything with ginger and it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, another part of the creative process with brewing and craft beers is the name of the beers. Um, and I think naming a beer can really either draw someone to it or kind of be like, oh, I don't want to try that one. I know a lot of the times, like my OPI nail polish, I will pick a beer based on its name. Um, if something sounds really cool or has a creative name, then I'm more apt to try that than if it's either something that I don't agree with or kind of a boring name. Um, so I don't, is there any beers that you've tried based on the name or just the, because of the creative? Um, yeah, actually that's, I actually only started drinking Fort Point beer because I liked their can design and, um, uh, I just recently went to Brewery West for the first time, and they have amazing can design and names. I think the my favorite one I had was called Tahiti Substation. It's just like a <laughs> juicy a IPA, name. but yeah, it had like super like galactic can design with like super unique, and all of their stuff is like incredibly well designed. Um, there's a brewery in Ohio, Hoofhearted Brewing, that all of their, like, A, they have fantastic naming, fantastic, like, descriptions. They're all jokes. And I was on their website yesterday just, like, reading through all their descriptions laughing. And all of their, um, their I guess, can design is, like, MS Paint style. It's mm-hmm. very much, like, it's like crappy sketchbook stuff, but it's amazing. And it's like super like unique for the brewing industry. I feel like they don't take themselves seriously at all. And that's really what I like about them. But and their beer is amazing. too. That's something that's just great. Like they don't take themselves too seriously. So it's kind of like they kind of know who their audience is, you know, like we're all easygoing people. So we get to appreciate their kind of humor, you know, and that's oh, yeah. the kind of cans that I'm drawn to, too, especially the really funny ones that have, like, goofy pictures or just crazy names. It makes you tr- want to try something new. Well, you yeah. drink the Becky Likes the Smell. <laughs> yeah, that name was very interesting, but it's just, like, a great can by Bay State, and they just have this tattooed girl on the Like cover a Rosie the Riveter. On the can. Yeah, Rosie the Riveter tribute, I'm sure. And it was just something like, oh, okay, like, double IPA, let's, let's give it a whirl. Yeah, exactly. I always buy, it's like, I know I like IPAs and I typically will, if I go to a bottle shop, I'll, like 90% of what I buy will be an IPA, but I, uh, beyond that, it's like all logo. I'm like, yeah, I'll pull whatever. Oh, it's like a $10 can. Fine. It's got a great, <laughs> it's got some great design. <laughs> we'll pay for that. <laughs> Do you ever save the cans just to have them? That yeah, actually, uh, my friend and I have started planting succulents in cans. You oh, just um, take a can opener and take the lid off, and then you can plant them. I have some hoof-hearted ones in my uh, patio. That's that a is really a cool great idea. idea. Yeah, it's great, and they're super cute. And my friend has a massive collection, too, and she's just, like, going crazy with it. I think the great thing about the packaging in cans, too, is it really does give the artists full 360 space to really fill that up with as much pictures and 
hilarity as they possibly can, whereas a bottle kind of limits the space available um, with all the other information that has to be on the package. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I've i looked into canning, but on a, on a homebrew scale, it's quite expensive. <laughs> it's quite expensive. <laughs> especially exactly. when you're recycling bottles, so it's like free. No, ex- exactly. And especially <laughs> yeah. if you get nice friends that actually do return them. And you don't have to go out and buy a whole nother case of bottles. So I'm sure you, your friends actually return them to you. or Oh, you yeah. Found them. I'll also dig through my recycling bin after people have been over and then be like, <laughs> you're not allowed to throw away bottles. Like, that, we don't do that here. <laughs> it's also eco-friendly. Exactly. And so since we're talking about logos and images, uh, Sarah, do you want to talk a little bit about how you created your logo? Um, so my logo, I had been working with like ideas for about a month or so and wasn't quite less, you know, it's kind of like landing on this normal brewery logo, like hops and like barley and whatever. And, uh, I was just like, it's, it's just generic. And finally I sat down like with a sketchbook and just like drew out a bunch of different stuff and landed on like a geometric take on a hop and barley. And it's kind of inspired by um, Fort Point's uh, design actually as well. They do super geometric, uh, just like layouts. Um, But yeah, and it just kind of ended up like a diamond hop. And I actually uh, re- I, I didn't so much remake, but I definitely cleaned up the font that uh, I used for my logo. And I'm actually in the process of cleaning up the entire font set and making my own font for it, uh, mainly for business cards. But <laughs> And you get this question all the time, is the name of your brewing company? Uh, is You want to talk about that? Because <laughs> I think it's kind of cool. My... Yeah, my last name is Flora, so I got really, really lucky uh, <laughs> with the lineage. <laughs> and yeah, it's just kind of always worked out. And people, like when I got married, everyone was like, are you going to change your name? I was like, why would I change my name? I have the best last name I could possibly have. <laughs> yeah, so it worked out. And uh, there's actually a lot of other breweries that are using flora in their names and i'm like i hope this never becomes a problem because like i don't know what i would right. change my name to at this point considering it is my name <laughs> you're like i was born less wise so I, <laughs> I, I was here first exactly and it's one of those things where there is like a database out there because i've perused that for creating my own brewery name and yeah. you'd be surprised at how many names are taken already and it's like just little differences even are just like everything on the face of the earth is pretty much taken oh yeah yeah there's there's nothing new in the world everything's gotta be a remix yeah i even got to the point where it was like god like i don't even want a name and i'm like don't want a name and someone had picked it and (laughs) i'm like you have got to be kidding me yeah so it's it's just another aspect that you gotta be really creative with it yeah, I don't know how, like, the actual floor brewing wasn't taken. There's, like, when I was doing the trademark uh, filing, it's, like, there's thousands of different, like, variations on floral shops with Flora. Mm. And I'm just, like, 
how, I don't even understand how you all got trademarks because this is all the yeah. exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Okay. Um, so we have two artists for different um, companies that we just wanted to touch base on and ask people to check out. Um, the first one is Nikki, and I probably I'm really horrible with last names, so I tried to spell it phonetically, but I don't know if I'm going to say it right. Um, but Nikki Rossignol, and she is the artist for Down the Road Brewing, which is actually local to us in Everett. But she lives um, not on the East Coast; she lives in Montana. Um, so she became the or the artist for all of their cans by entering a Facebook contest, which I think is really cool um, that they kind of reached out to just the community in general and didn't stay local with it and just asked, you know, for people to send in and submit some art. So she submitted via that and won uh, with her drawing of the Pukwaji, which is a mythical creature. Um, I believe it's a Native American mythical creature. And so she gets a lot of her inspiration from the forest and her daughter who is actually on some of the cans or the inspiration for the girl that's on the the Fayborn cans uh, and she also is does a lot of um lucid dreaming so I don't know if people know what lucid dreaming is uh, but it's kind of like almost dreaming and just being acknowledging that you're dreaming and be able to kind of control like where the dream is going for just a quick breakdown of it because um, this is a lucid dreaming podcast, so <laughs> we won't get too into it. But it allows her to be really creative, and she uses some of those, um, some of the things she experiences in dreams to create her art, which I think is really cool. Uh, and it's mostly pen and paint that she uses to create it. And one of the fun facts uh, that we found on her is that she's never actually had down the road uh, brew brewing company beer because she obviously lives in Montana. So unless she gets over to Massachusetts, it's gonna be hard to for her to taste it but she does all of their uh, artwork for their cans so if you see their products that's her i think what's also great is how sarah was connecting her brewery with also her name or her you know your situation whereas this artist includes her daughter in like the images so i think that's really cool and creative to kind of put people that you know into that's something important to you so that's kind of cool yeah and actually uh, had so the for my born artist, so. yeah, born yes, born yesterday. <laughs> I chose uh, Joe Wilson and uh, the TBD marketing firm, and he's the artist for Twenty First Amendment Brewing, which I just love their beers. Sarah, I'm sure you've had some of their beers because they're oh, out yeah. of the California area. Yeah, they have great design. Yeah, and, really uh, good. They're just so great, like. The designs, like the pictures on them, it's really like a take on American icons, which like history buffs, like I think it's really creative how he puts, you know, historical characters like Paul Revere on their black IPA, um, Abe Lincoln, Mount Rushmore, um, or my favorite is his uh, Franklin Roosevelt uh, Fireside Chats. Um, that one's a really cool can for their winter spice ale. Um, I just think they're so great to just look at, you know, while you're drinking it, you know. I actually have a, I went to a store a couple times over from us last year and they were selling coasters that they had made out of the artwork from some of these. Uh, so I have the FDR one on a coaster. So they took the label and made it for, I think it was a charity, um, some local charity that they're selling them for. So I thought that was pretty cool. They reused the label and put them, put them on there. Okay, so speaking of uh, art on cans, we're just going to go over some of our favorite 
uh, craft beer can art or beer in general doesn't necessarily have to be on a can but uh, mine I will go first and I love Halloween it's my favorite holiday of the whole year so I chose Rhodes Mary's Baby which is from Two Roads down in um, Connecticut and it is a pumpkin beer and it has and we'll put pictures of these on our Instagram so you guys can follow along as you're listening but it is a picture of a baby carriage that they've also turned into a jack-o'-lantern so the left eye is in like the kind of the canopy on the carriage and then the smiles the body of the carriage and it's just kind of a creepy cool it's like on a hill it doesn't scream pumpkin at you pumpkins not in the names I liked how they did the creative Rosemary's baby taking their part of their name and putting it into a kind of a famous horror film uh, it's very simple and it's got some hidden pictures on the sides of it so if you look at it it's got kind of a green it's it's black orange and green so the pumpkiny colors but on the green part it's got hidden hands and little kind of easter eggs if you look hard enough and then I think you can tell it's a pumpkin beer just from you know the jack-o'-lantern but it doesn't scream pumpkin at you so it's kind of subtle but creepy at the same time so that's why I picked it and just because quintessential Halloween this is my favorite James do you want to talk about yours yeah so I um I picked the Berkshire Brewings in Hop Nido. Um, it's a um, their American IPA, um, and it's just a clever use of a hop and kind of repurposing it. So it kind of looks like a beard, and it kind of looks like a "Where in the world is Carmen San Diego?" type character, and uh, very sense of mystery in it. But it's simple. Um, and my second one, which is really going towards the comic book side of cans, is the Clown Shoes Space Cake. And that one, they really do a really well job of telling a story. And it's full of images, it's colorful, it's fun, and it's nothing too serious. So it's, it's kind of great about that. So Sarah, what about you? Um, mine would have to be one of Hoofhearted Brewings. Um... I, one of the succulents I have is uh, for their uh, India Farmhouse, which is actually like one of my favorite beers I've ever had. And uh, it's called Side Piping, and the guy is an MS Paint style drawing of a dude who has a can in his shorts. Um, so, you know, That's awesome. look up look up the image if you're confused about it at all. But <laughs> yeah, it's... Shorts. It's ridiculously funny and yeah i don't know i'm all about the comedy gold on cans exactly and i think one of my first beers that i really got into the craft beer scene with was magic hat and how they just used the bottom of their bottle caps to have like little messages or like funny sayings that people would write in and i just thought that was like the coolest use of something that you just usually take off and you just throw it out or you reuse it for coffee tables. I've seen a couple of people use that. It's like the snap. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly, exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, another way people are creative is merchandise. So from apparel, shirts, hats, puzzles, glassware. Uh, Sarah, what, what about some of your t-shirts? You sell those as well? Yeah, I've been uh, selling my t-shirts. I actually have a buddy um, who I've known for years who has a screen printing business. So um he like got me set up with a bunch of t-shirts um i've been thinking about doing glassware too but i i the problem i have is i want to end up like learning how to do everything myself 
So I'm like trying to figure out how to like screen print on glass, like with one of the like turny things. And I'm just like, I haven't done screen printing since I was in college. And just like, it's just one of those lofty ambitions that'll probably never happen, but I would love to learn how to do it. Um, but yeah, I've been doing uh, the t-shirts. I've been making a lot of stickers. Um, I just got my hands on a vinyl cutter. So that's been very fun. Um, and yeah, I'm sure I'll think of more merchandise soon. I mean, I love koozies, so it's like an <laughs> obvious koozies. progression. Koozies are the best. It not only yeah. keeps your drink cool, but it's also something cool that just enhances it altogether. Totally. And I feel like in California, it's not like a big phenomenon. Like I grew up in the South and like everyone has a koozie for everything. Like you just leave koozies in your car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But out here, it's like kind of rare. And uh, so we need to bring yeah. it over the West Coast. <laughs> you got to have your bottle koozie, your short can, your tall can. You know, you got to have them all. Yeah. Right? One of exactly. our friends actually 3d prints koozies which is kind of cool so he's made us like koozies that are 3d printed that's Um, awesome so it's one of those cool things that it's just you have to have a koozie totally yeah i have a crowler koozie now which is really fun so you can just drink 32 ounces of beer in one shot (laughs) (laughs) that is awesome Okay, so right now we're going to go into our Michael Scott beer. So for those listeners who don't know what Michael Scott is or who he is, um, the show The Office. Who doesn't know um, who Michael Scott is? I'd hope everyone would by yeah. now, but um, you never you never know. Uh, he's the boss in The Office. It's a comedy uh, show. And so we want to come up with a name of a beer if Michael Scott was in charge. So, Shannon, what, what what do you think he would come up with? Well, so I had two that I came up with. Um, the first one is the Michael Scott Dunder Mifflin Scranton Double IPA Pro-Am Beer for the Cure. <laughs> Imagine trying to fit that on a bottle. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It'll be like, um, oh, what is it, Evil Twins cans with, like, the paragraph-long uh, titles. Oh, yeah, it goes mm-hmm. down the, the side there, yeah. Or you can do two together. You like put one half on the other and kind of make the sentence. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then my second one is would be a Hefeweizen because he claims to be, excuse me, of German background. Um, so I called it a little stitious because he's not superstitious. He's only a little stitious. <laughs> so those are my two. Okay. So for my two, I said first he would do the all day long blonde underscore that's what she said (laughs) and second would be toby is the worst because let's face it no one likes toby toby is the worst (laughs) and just have a picture of toby flunderson on the front yeah just just his face but it'd be like his bald bald spot on his face (laughs) michael does not like him um I just came up with that's what she said, and I feel like it could be any beer, and they would have to be that's what she said. Right. Any style. Like, <laughs> like Bach, that's what she said. <laughs> Pilsner, that's what she said. You could combine Toby is the worst, that's what she said. <laughs> totally. Yeah, make like two different beers, but when they, they go well mixed. Oh, yeah, that'd be <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, like, like a black and tan, but 
Oh, that's totally. it. Totally. the worst. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> any other that's what she said jokes? Any listeners got any? Put Send us in a direct message. <laughs> some that's what she said jokes. And we I'm will sure take we'd love to hear them. any emails at this point. Just email us. <laughs> Just don't worry. We don't want to take too many. That's what she said. Uh (laughs) okay um well before we wrap up i just uh was searching the web this week because we are heading to philly um in a couple of weeks so i was looking for things to do and i discovered that while we're there i'll be billy billy yeah we're going to billy i'll be philly beer week i guess they could call it billy for philly beer week um and that is going to be taking place uh at the end or beginning of june And I found, I thought it was very appropriate for our discussion today, that on June 4th, there will be a panel discussion and event uh, on creativity and brewing. So it is going to be from 7 to 10 p.m. at the Warehouse on Watts for all of you folks who are in the Philadelphia area. And they're going to be featuring art and beer from Brewery ARS Collective Arts Brewing, Free Will Will Brewing Company, Stillwater, um, and then the... um, probably gonna butcher it but it's Nashami Creek Brewing I feel like a brewery should have like phonetic spellings just below if it's a weird spelling although I guess being from Massachusetts with a city like Worcester near us I can't really um, talk uh, because a lot of people just pronounce it Worcester but uh, so if you're in the Philly area check that out on June 4th I think it'll be really interesting and Sarah is there any events happening by you that you'd like to mention or something that's coming up um, that you're working on I actually just finished two events, so I don't really know about anything until October is usually when the next homebrew festival that I participate in is. Um, But my coworker and I have a, uh, what we call a feminist uh, brew club, and uh, so it's open to everyone, but we want to get more ladies into homebrewing, and um, that Instagram is Crafty Brewster Club. And uh, we do brews like once a month um, in the L.A. area. So if anyone wants to join. So you go. If anyone's in the L.A. area, feel free to hook that up. Great. Okay. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us this week. And thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on and being our guest. We really appreciate it. Uh, So be be sure to check Sarah out on Instagram at Flora underscore brewing and make sure to follow her. Uh, so for more on our podcast, you can go to www.doublehotbeatpodcast.com or you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you're listening to us on iTunes, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And we're also on Google Play. Thank you very much. It's, it's, been, a, it's a, been a fun episode. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you. And you guys have been listening to Double, Double Hot Beat. Beat.